G'day guys, I'm Aaron Schultz and this is episode number 45 of the Outback Mind podcast. Steve Fellis is the gentleman that I have with me today. Uh, many of you will know the name Steve Fellis, uh, particularly if you are into sport and cycling. Steve's a highly uh, talented and regarded uh, cyclist, uh, now in his 50s, late 50s, but uh, last century in 1988, he uh, represented Australia at the Seoul Olympics, coming ninth in the 100k time trial. Uh, previous to that, had many accolades as uh, a young junior, uh, winning various uh, events throughout Australia and also uh, competing at a high level overseas. Since then, he's um, he's he basically took a, a a bit of a break from cycling um, after the Olympics and and um, sort of had uh, some issues with regards to mental health, um, uh, which I'm sure we'll touch on throughout our conversation. But um, you know, Steve has been able to do some unbelievable things, and we're going to talk a lot about um, you know the benefits of, of cycling and, and mental well-being, uh, and also you know Steve's sort of recovery, sort of how getting back on the bike helped him a lot uh, to be able to find some purpose and, and meaning again, and also to be able to uh, win the World Masters Championship in two thousand and fifteen, I think it was. I think the year before in two thousand and fourteen, he, he went and uh, finished second. So. Um, certainly uh, no mean feat to be able to compete at that level, uh, particularly with the, 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 the calibre of cyclists which are around the world now. Cycling is such a tremendous um, sport, but also it's just a tremendous uh, activity for us to do for our mental well-being. So I really I encourage you to sit back and, and listen to Steve's wisdom, what we can learn from him uh, and what, um, you know, what his own journey has done for him to where he is now. Uh, he's still cycling and still loving it, and we're going to talk about the the benefits of that and, and what he actually really loves about it too. So hope you enjoy our conversation. Uh, just want to make mention to our primary partner, Green Nutritionals, uh, who support the podcast. Definitely um, great uh, superfood products for our physical and mental health. Uh, if, you're at, if you're an athlete, uh, these products can really help with your recovery because it's purely organic and natural, no synthetics like a lot of supplements have in them. So really encourage you to check out, uh, check out their website. It's uh, greennutritionals.com.au. Uh, we also get a bit of support from uh, B Primal Minimalist Footwear. Uh, if you'd like to check out their website, it's just the letter B Primal.com.au. Uh, awesome products um, that basically come to us from all around the world. So check them out and help them out if you can by buying yourself a pair of shoes. Uh, without further ado, we will get Steve on and begin our conversation. Steve Fellas, welcome to the Outback Blind podcast. Uh, yeah, thanks very much, Baron, for having me. Oh, mate, very grateful to have you on here, uh, a man of your uh, calibre and, uh, and experience and uh, all the great things you've been able to do on and off the bike, and we're just having a chat. I remember when I was a young fellow, your dad, Don, uh, being a prominent man in the Shepparton community, and um, uh, yeah, have got fond memories of, of him and what he was doing back then, and um, mate, so are you really, really grateful to, uh, to speak to you? Um, you know, I'm sure your story uh, in general is going to be able to help a lot of guys throughout regional Australia, whether they're into cycling or not, um, just to be able to understand life and, and you know, what your uh, life uh, has been like to be able to get to where you are now. And you've had such um, you know, highs and lows in that, I guess, in many ways, as a lot of us do. So um, 
uh, great uh, thing about this podcast is being able to sort of share stories to help people out there that may be sort of struggling with um, various things in their lives uh, and it's been really um, well supported to be able to, to do that as well. So really grateful for your time, Steve. Um, can you give us a bit of a, a background of, of obviously you're growing up in Shep and sort of uh, where that sort of took you into cycling and, um, and then we sort of start talking more about uh, your adult life and achievements from there. Yeah, no, no problem at all. Um, yeah, look, Aaron, my, my background as a, as a kid, you know, grew up on the family orchard. It was sort of, uh, you know, it was a reasonably substantial business. We had, um, we had plenty of people sort of around, you know, employees and that around helping us and certainly the harvest in the summertime was really busy. Mm. Um, yeah, so reasonably mechanically sort of, you know, background as a farm farm kid and, you know, always burning around on a forklift or a tractors and, you know, we had the little dairy enterprise sort of as the offshoot of the main business, which was the orcharding side of things. Yep. Um, so, yeah, uh, as a kid, just, yeah, always around a pretty active sort of organisation around the orchard. Um and uh, was introduced, like my old man, Don, had, had introduced my three older brothers to cycling. Um, and, you know, it was just natural that I sort of tagged along. So I was uh, cycling, you know, I was cycling from uh, 10 years of age, I guess. What drove you? Did, did sort of like it inspire you to be like your brothers uh, as you were sort of coming up uh, through that, uh, that sort of uh, part of your life into your teens? Yeah, well, I was probably pretty fortunate in the fact that there was three of them already riding around. So, yeah. you know, I was I was the little kid sort of hanging on the back, you know, when they were out training and that sort of thing. Um, my old man was always, yeah, I guess he grew up in the old, you know, with, with in the old days of the old, you know, sporting carnivals and the running and the wood chopping and the cycling. And, and my old man was a pretty handy runner. Um, so uh, he had a bit of an infinity for cycling and, and, and yeah, he sort of steered us in the direction of cycling and once the, once my older brothers were cycling, well, you know, it was, it was a bit, bit of a family institution back then. You'd be racing around Victoria, the car would be packed up on Friday night or, you know, and we'd be, we'd be racing somewhere every weekend, basically. Unbelievable. And having supportive parents like that, you're so lucky. But also the cycling community in Shepparton being so strong, was that a big help? Oh, yeah, no doubt. The Shep Cycling Club was really strong at the time. Um, you know, I remember one weekend I'd run second in the Juvenile Australian, uh, juvenile State Championships. My brother had run second in the Junior State Championship. Um, Mark Hanning. Oh, look, the, the names go on and on, but they're all, oh, everybody, you know, we had some real success around the Shepparton and Cycling Club at the time. Um, if the, if you weren't, yeah, you, everybody was sort of, you know, a lot of guys were at state level. Um, and there's nearly a representative at the Australian Championships from the Shepparton Cycling Club for many years. Yeah, incredible. Road, road and track, yeah. Yeah. Unbelievable. So, so coming through your teens, mate. How long was it until you sort of started to win titles um, within the state, but also national and and, and beyond? 
Uh, yeah, look, I can remember running to, you know, home. I can remember an old man dragging me to Melbourne, to Brunswick Velodrome, uh, you know, to and, and just to ride the under-12 state top championships, you know. He, yeah. he always was a believer that, that you start early and, and you get exposed to the, you know, to the big picture, I guess. So, you know, I can remember staying overnight in Melbourne on a Saturday night to ride the Juvenile state championships on a Sunday morning, um, yeah. you know, because he thought it was too too early to get up and drive down there. Which, <laughs> um, so yeah, look, uh, you know, I can remember running, being running places at, at an under twelves level, and and certainly by the time I was at, ju- at juvenile level, under sixteens back in the day, mm. um, yeah, we were, yeah, we, it was. Uh, Tony Hughes from Bendigo and myself were the two Victorian representatives in 1978 and, and uh, run first and third respectively in the Australian Road Championships, Juvenile Road Championships. So so where did that take you from there? Did you, were we able to sort of get into a national team and start competing internationally? Yeah, I, so as a junior, I, I, well, it was hit, a little bit hit and miss of, Success. I was going okay without sort of dominating anything too much. Um, but, uh, yeah, I went to the uh, Oceana Games and, and then I went to Mexico City and rode in the Junior World Championships in 1980. Mm. Um, so, yeah, I'd run 11th in, a, in, a, in the Junior Pursuit World Championships. Um, and... Yeah, so so uh, although I wasn't sort of overly dominant or successful at the national level, I got away in the, into a couple of those sort of national teams, yeah. How did you find when you were travelling like that at that age to be able to maintain your fitness while you weren't on the bike? Uh, oh, look, we weren't off the bike for very long. It was, it was uh, you know, it was simply flu. To America and then straight on to Mexico and and the junior world titles were at the Mexico Velodrome, you know, from 1968. Yep. Um, so, you know, I might have been off the bike for four or five days, or yeah. well, total maybe, not even that, three or four days. So not much, um, yeah. and, and then would have been rolling the legs over again, you know, shortly after. Yes. Um, yeah, I maintained fitness well. Like, yeah, I, you, you know that those sort of trips are coming up and you're going to be off the bike for a little while. And I remember I remember as a junior doing a couple of 100-mile rides, like 160-kilometre rides, knowing full well that I was going to be off the bike Yep, Just for a few yeah. days, yeah. Yes, yeah, yeah. So basically uh, getting the Ks and the legs and then just having a rest and then sort of uh, getting back on and, uh, and, and turning them over again. And it uh, sounds like you were yeah. pretty aware back then to manage all that. Yeah, no, you know, um, you've got a basic idea of, of uh, what, you know, how long you're going to be off the bike. So, you, you know, back then it was all about the kilometres and, uh, you know, just get a few extra k's, you know, in the preceding couple of weeks to sort of know, knowing that, you know, half a week was going to be lost in travel sort of thing. Yeah, absolutely. Interesting, mate. Um, and obviously you... You sort of went on to progress um, from there as you sort of got older. You won a few, few fairly big titles, I think, but uh, fairly well recognised titles. But you got a chance to rep- represent Australia in 1988 in the Olympics, and I'd just like to, to, to know or to hear 
you know, what, what that was like as far as the excitement and the build-up and, and actually going to that event? Yeah, look, look, I probably missed the team in between there. I was, I was certainly right amongst the top end in the nation uh, in 86, and I wasn't selected for the Edinburgh Commonwealth Games, and that broke my heart a little bit, as, mm. you know, naturally enough. Um, I thought I deserved to go. Um, mm. Plenty of others did, but but I was first emergency. So I had uh, I had the second half of 1986 completely off of my bike. Mm. Um, and then 1987, I got back on uh, and... Had a couple of trips, so I went over and rode the Tour of Texas and then went to Japan and then spent the rest of the year racing in Europe. Um, 1988, come around and, and was selected for the Olympic squad. There were seven in the squad. There was five ultimately selected to ride at the Olympic Games, four in the road team's time trial team and one in the one specific road rider in Eddie Salas. Um, and, yeah, and then we we basically prepared in Europe that year, in 88. We, both, we were living in, in Italy. Um, oh, raced, raced quite a few tours around the world. We raced a tour in Canada and then we're sort of in the, the Baltic Sea races in Finland and Russia. Mm. Um, so we're all, we're both basically racing all over Europe and then, uh, and then yeah, based in Europe and... and then a couple of overseas ventures out of Europe. Um, the Olympics, yeah, oh, look, it was fantastic, fantastic uh, experience. We the roads team time trial was the first day, so we didn't. Um, the four of us didn't in the road team time trial didn't go to the opening ceremony, unfortunately, because it's you know you're on your legs for hours and hours lined up, you know, trying to get organised. Yeah. Each, each nation, so we opted out of that, knowing full well that we we're, you know, we'd done months of preparation and we weren't about to blow up the day before the race. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, the road team's time trial was day one of competition, and the road race was the second last day. So I competed in the road race as well as the road team's time trial. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, look, fam, you know, yeah, we we rode well before I was. Uh, as a team, rode the 100 kilometres in two hours and two minutes and 22 seconds. Uh, it's the first English-speaking nation to finish, and, and yeah, it was a pretty successful result. Um, we run ninth overall, but uh, yeah, well, yeah, like I said, we're the first English-speaking nation to finish, and and up against some hardened European teams in France and Italy, and then you know the Eastern Bloc nations and and. Uh, and Sweden was in amongst the mix there too with West Germany and, and we were amongst that. Yeah. How did you go like when you were overseas training and that financially? There wouldn't have been a lot of financial support back then to to keep uh, keep you going. Obviously the farm was still running back home and you were away uh, doing uh, your thing. Yeah, look, that, and, and that's one of the reasons why we're based in Italy. Uh Italy, in back in the day, had a really good amateur program. Um, so every every time there was an international race in Italy, the, there was a little bit of start money. Even if you didn't, you know, even if you weren't successful or on the podium, mm. at least the start money to to go to these events and would would sort of sustain you from one week to the next. Um, 
and and then you know if if a race was at Luca say on on Saturday and Sunday, well you'd be you'd front up on Friday and they'd put you know the race organisation would would have you for the weekend. So you you basically kept for Friday night, Saturday and Sunday, and you get uh, get back to accommodation and and survive for the next three or four days, and then you and then the same scenario would be the next weekend in a different town. Um, yeah. So the start money at, at those amateur events attracted all the national teams. So the Russians at Dex and, and everybody else were there basically doing the same thing, just trying to prepare for the for the games. The racing was really good and there was a little bit of uh, there was a little bit of financial support to help you get through. Mm, yeah. I guess yeah, you you, you talk to um, various athletes from that era and whether they're playing football or whatever but the financial side of things wasn't great cricket as well um, you know so yeah it's interesting if you've got a talent uh, you know back in those days it was probably not as lucrative to be able to uh, achieve um, or you know sort of go to a high level like that uh, as it is now because of the support that you actually get as an individual I guess yeah look we look no doubt no doubt we we were comfortable with, you know, it was pretty lean. You know, we, we got the cheapest. We got the, we were living in the cheapest rooms in a little town just out of Pistoia. We got the cheapest rooms we could find. We were, you know, we were living out of the supermarket and you know, it was, yeah. you, you'd be washing your clothes down at the, down in the well, down, you know, down at the fountain along with the old ladies, uh, you know, down in the middle of town. So yeah. it wasn't, um, it was, it was comfortable, but it was it was lean enough, um, and man, that was you know that was life. We didn't expect to be living in the Hilton Hotel, and yeah, you know, okay. it, yeah. Probably it did, was, did you get yeah. to rough it? Probably. Oh did, yeah, yeah. Look, yeah, yeah. It, it, it was good. It was it was great. Um, you know, communication with home was was. Certainly not what it is today with social media and that sort of thing. So there was plenty of lonely times. That's you know you've thrown yourself into the other side of the world to to try to make something of yourself. But but yeah, there, there, there was yeah there was some down times there as well as good. But but in general, most of it, you know a lot yeah a lot of most of it was good. Yeah. You know. Yeah, absolutely, a tremendous uh, experience, and you've you've been able to sort of see the world through your sport, uh, which is, a, you know, an amazing thing, I guess, in general. And and so uh, coming out of that Olympics, Steve, how, how did it affect you emotionally? Did you sort of still keep competing then or did you have a break for a while? Uh, no, I came, out, I came out of the Olympics and I needed a break. Um, oh, physically a little bit. I'd had, a, I'd had some tendonitis issues and, and uh, lower back issues. Um, but mentally, I probably needed the break more so as well. Uh, I was, I was sort of over, I was over cycling a little bit at that stage. Um, look, I come home. Uh, I was probably twenty six years old. I come home. I got married to to what been my long, uh, you know, long time girlfriend, and um, and yeah, went back to the farm and and you know tried to uh, tried to settle into farm life and. And yeah, worked away for a couple of years. Um, I ended up back on the bike in 1991 at a local Victorian professional level. Mm. Um, 
and and again, you know, didn't take very long to get fit again, and and you know, get quite successful in the nineteen ninety one season. Um, so yeah, I you know, I knew what I was doing as an athlete, and I would had that sort of you know, bit of a mental rest, and you know, I was pro- probably pretty keen and, and raring to go again. Mm. Yeah, did you find um, like competition? I was going to ask you this later on, but. Like competition was a real, real driver for you, and was it really uh, something, something inside you that was burning away to to try and get the best out of yourself back then, or was it just oh, more the camaraderie? Yeah. yeah. No, look, no doubt, no doubt, it's internal. You know, yeah, um, yeah it, it, it's an internal. It's certainly an internal drive to be the best, best athlete you can be within yourself, and and I guess there's an an element of ego there, you know, you you get, yeah, you, you think you're the fastest or the strongest guy in the peloton or, you know, you're out to prove something to yourself and everybody else, um, you know, or try to, um, yeah, you're out to try to prove something to yourself and everybody else and it's, I guess that's the internal driver of any competition, you know, you, you're just trying to get the best out of yourself and your body and, and you know. There's an, some sort of internal drive that that much do that, and and along with that, there's there's certainly emotion, a good feeling when you're standing on a podium somewhere, and and you're in the placings, and and you know you're amongst the top tier of of the cycling guys either in the country or you know or, or somewhere overseas or around the world. So do you uh, when when do you think you're at your, your at your prime at your peak? Is it sort of uh um, before the Olympics, after the Olympics, or recently, what what stage in your life did you find that you were, I suppose, enjoying it mostly, but uh, also you know just really feeling good physically and mentally within yourself? Yeah, I guess I guess through nineteen eighty four, I had a really successful year, and and yeah, I guess eighty four and eighty five. You know, I knew I was at the I knew I was at the pointy end. You know of. It wasn't a, like I knew I'd done the work, so so I knew I was at the pointy end. I knew I had just some strengths, and and I had a pretty reasonable finish, yeah, you know, sprint finish if the condition suited me, um, and the condition had to suit me a little bit. Um, yeah, I guess nineteen eighty four and eighty five was was sort of I knew I was at the pointy end, and I was confident, and and everything was rolling along all right. Um, 1986 was pretty heartbreaking sort of year, not making that Commonwealth Games team. Um, so, uh, yeah, like I said, I had a, I had the rest of that 1986 year off. I'm probably, I, I think it was June when, yeah, May or June when the team went away, and I'd won the Tassie Tour and a few, and 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 not thought I probably deserved to go, but I didn't get to go and. Mm. And so I, I thought, oh well, bugger it! I'll just go home and, and work on the farm and, and help the family. And um, yeah, and then got back on in '87 and '88, and in preparation for '88. And then and then again after '88, I bailed out again, and then hopped back on in 1991. Oh, yeah, yeah. So you've had a, a bit of a roller coaster through that period, and um, you know, coming out the other side of it. Um, you know, I, I I think we'll talk more about your enjoyment of cycling and, and what it actually does for your mental health uh, as we go. But just fast tracking things a bit, you you went through a, a, a bit of a speed bump 
um, late or sort of around 2010, uh, 2011 period. Um, could, could you give us a bit of a, an example of sort of what went on for you then and, and what it was like, I suppose, how to, how to manage that and how you sort of you come out of it? Yeah, so, so if we backtrack a little bit, I rode 1991 and was was really successful at the local Victorian level, and then uh, and then it wasn't yet 92, uh, 92 through to about 97. Uh, pretty much didn't touch a pedal, mm. um, and and at that stage, you know, married, started a family. Um, you know, we were yeah, we were we were. Poking it, you know, we were settling into farm life. Um, 1997, I got back on my bike because they bought the Melbourne to Shep bike race back onto the calendar mm. after a bit of a, a few years recess. Mm. Um, so I hopped back on in 97 and got some sort of form on my legs. Uh, I only rode off about a middle mark. I, was, well, I think I rode off 20 minutes. It was a handicap event and, and I got to Shep. It was a 228-kilometre event. And was and I won that. Um, so that, and that's about all I did in '97. I sort of just sort of tried to come back to to win the Melbourne Ship because it was you know my local race and it was in recess all the time that I was an actual competitive cyclist. Yeah. Um, 2003, come around to 2003, the World Masters Games were in Melbourne, so I got back on and had a little bit of a dip at that. Um, not not over not not set well. I was competitive without being overly successful. Um, and then by the time two thousand nine come around, um, my ex wife had got a bit of depression and and things weren't sort of travelling that great on the farm and and it all got a little bit too hard. So so yeah, that speed bump was was uh, we ended up we ended up separating and um, and. You know, to try to keep myself together. Uh, yeah, I, I got, I, I went back to what I know and what gave me comfort, and that was riding my bike and and trying to find some form and and trying to help my mental health a little bit. Yeah, yeah, I agree. Um, look, you know, we have these these things in our life that uh, that can be seen as a as a joy and a discipline at the same time and. It's amazing how that structure actually can can get us back on track again, Steve. And you know, just just so I can understand, like around that period, you sort of went through stages of depression and self doubt, and that I would have, I, I would imagine for sure. Oh, uh, look, uh, you know, my my well, not only did I not only did I witness my wife sort of going through. Through some mental ill health, and and you know, at the same time, you can see your own world falling apart. So, um, yeah. yeah, it, I, I, you know, I wasn't great without, you know, I wasn't sort of thinking about the worst, but but I wasn't in a real good spot myself. It's you know, it's it's, it's heartbreaking for any family to go through that. Yeah. Um, so. Yeah, look, you know, my a couple of the guys that I'd I rode with, you know, back in the day, you know, they they come out there out the farm one weekend and and we sat down and had a bit of a conversation. They said, "You better get back on your bike. Let's go for a ride." So 
before I knew it, I was out training with the boys and, uh, and you know, and it didn't take long for that to turn back into some sort of a competitive itch and, mm-hmm. and away it went again. <laughs> Unbelievable. So, so I'm gonna I'm gonna start talking now about what what it is that you love about your sport and your cycling. But I guess the, the the fundamental thing here is the ability to be able to have others around you that support you when you're going through um, times which aren't uh, you know great for you. And uh, it sounds like the camaraderie of cycling was something that you could always uh, turn to when you needed that uh, individual and emotional support. Yeah, look, no, no. Look, the beauty of bike, the beauty of cycling is that you know you're out rolling along in the bunch, and you can and you can talk. You know, yeah, yeah, you can talk if you're in a swimming pool. All you can do is look at the black line on the bottom of the pool. If you're, you know, if you're training with your mates around a, a running track, well, you know, I guess there's some sort of element where you were in a little bunch situation, but but. Yeah, the real beauty of cycling is that you, you you can go out on that four or five hour ride. You're with the guys. You're in a bunch sort of situation. You know, you there's a bit of banter and 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 everybody knows. You know, you, after a while, you know how everybody's travelling around the, the other guys in the bunch, and and certainly my local fellows uh, around me help me through some tough times. That's for sure. Um, yeah, you know, you're, you're with each other when you're trying to compete at the, at the top level and I think that's whether you're an elite cyclist or, or travelling into the Masters, you've still got to be a full-time athlete. Yeah, um, yeah. Yeah, so, uh, you know, before I knew it, I was 50, you know, 2010, 11, 12. You know, I'm in my 50s or my early 50s and... Uh, and you know, you're back doing six and seven hundred kilometres on your bike a week, and and that's a lot of time to be able to talk to somebody in a bunch. Yeah, absolutely, and I reckon you'd have a few, few good characters like Lee Egan and so forth around there to cheer you up. I would have thought. Yeah, yeah, no doubt, and no doubt, and and uh, you know, and 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 it's fair to say that at different stages we've all gone through our through our ups and downs, um, and I think I think. Oh, yeah, and, and I, I, I think it's hard sometimes for a, for a competitive athlete or, or a top-end athlete to, to sort of give it away and, and just become, you know, I shouldn't say just become a worker or just, you know, it's not about, it's not about you anymore, you know. Uh, yeah, sometimes I think a lot of athletes that have dedicated their life to being as good as they can all of a sudden, you know, come back to... To reality a little bit and say, well, you know, I'm I'm not what I used to be. Mm, yeah. <laughs> you know, I'm 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 going to work or I'm earning that income, but but the the emotional highs of, of standing on a podium are, are behind you. Yeah, that that that's that's right, Steve. It's interesting talking to a young guy that you know uh, on the podcast, young Liam, the other day, and. He's 21 or two, and you know what he's been through um, emotionally has been really significant. Uh, he's he's sort of about giving it away a lot, but you're right. You sort of fall back into everyday life then, and you know life can take uh, various uh, avenues for you unless you actually have something that can drive you. I guess, and I think we've all got to have as men some goals that we can we can sort of work towards to keep us 
on track mentally otherwise we can sort of veer off um, reasonably quickly and um, you know I had a gentleman last night uh, by the name of Steve Griffith on who's I think by far and away the best um, mindfulness meditation teacher in Australia and um, uh, we sort of talked about you know men and, and the cortisol levels that we have in our, in our body and um, you know guys are competing at a high level like yourself and uh, and so forth uh, you know, you, it's your your detox to be able to get on a bike and um, and uh, you know get grounded through through movements and you know I just believe as as men in general if we can do something every morning just to to find some equilibrium and some balance uh, physically and mentally then that actually helps our our day and our our sense of purpose I guess when we don't have those things we seem to um, to drift off uh, pretty quickly and that anxiety and that cortisol in our body um, you know sort of uh, continues to raise unless we actually do something to, to manage it. Yeah, look, I, I guess I, I'm not, so, you know, I, you're talking about a science now that, that I, well, I kind of understand a little bit, but um, it, the beauty of, you know, the, like if I took myself, so there's certainly an internal driver for me to be the best athlete and, uh, that I can be. Mm. Um, and that, and that, you know, and then that, that, Training sort of you know supports the, those endorphins and that that get created that make you feel good and and if you're successful on top of that well then you've got an emotional sort of high coming coming from being successful mm. um, and you know it's pretty hard to give all that away and and the beauty of when you know when I'm training or or when every I guess you know. With the data and and that that we can collect these days, you know, you can see positive and constant improvement when you're training. Mm. So you think, oh yeah, I'm getting better. I'm this is getting better. I'm going further. I'm going faster. It's it's maybe not getting easier. All you're really doing is going faster and further. Yeah, yeah true. <laughs> or, or going or going faster in a in a set period of time. You know, or or you sprint. You know, you you. We've got watt meters on our bikes, and and you can follow your heart rate. And you think, yeah, right. Oh, I'm developing more watts at the same heart rate that I was a, a month ago or six weeks ago. Mm. So, a, a lot of that sort of stuff you can clarify, and and you can see, and and you know that you're developing, and and you know when when all that's gone, and and then the emotional highs are gone from standing on the podium as well, and then. Uh, you know, you feel it's it's quickly, it's easily to feel like you're going backwards. You know, yeah, yep. and yeah. Oh, I guess uh, yeah. this is where like things changed for me. Uh, like personally, about six, seven years ago, Steve. Like I, I was very much like that, like driven to do stuff because there was something inside me that just kept driving me. To do things and um, I, I realized that if I didn't if I hurt myself or I got injured how would I manage my mental health and that's where sort of meditation uh, helps but also it was actually like being more aware of, of, of connection with with everything around me and one one sort of trap that I fell into was you know being real competitive and, and having my eye on on that getting better 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 all the time and I knew that that had to that had to be a full stop at some point um you know and um so it's really really important to have the drive but it's also good to have some some balance in your life so yeah you, you have got uh, the ability to be able to switch off too um you know being driven particularly at some of the levels that you were at um you know would, would have been on your mind a, a hell of a lot when you were you know obviously 
a young fella sort of trying to aspire to some of the things that you did, but just to have the ability to be able to slow down, uh, I think is really important too. But um, uh, it's really interesting that uh, to, to hear you say that. So like when you're riding, do you often like switch off and, and just forget about, you know, what's going on with regards to the heart rate and all those sorts of things and just be really uh, enjoying the in- environment around you? Yeah, look, I you know back back in the day, there's certainly an element of that. It's and and the training part is certainly about getting the balance right. It's you know it's there's one common thing that all athletes do or have done in over their careers is overtrain. Mm. Um, and and one of the old one of the old guys around Melbourne, I remember as a as a kid. You know, he uh, yeah, and he's one of the old sort of coaches around uh, downtown. They cook, you know, a bit of a professor. Um, his his catch cry was, "You won't be any good until you can enjoy the birds and the bees for six hours. Yes. You know, until you yeah. can just go for a long ride, enjoy just flicking your legs over without any pressure, and just enjoy the environment." Mm. Um, and and basically, basically saying that there's there's got to be recovery in 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 cycling, you know. Well, yeah. there's got to be recovery in all sport, but you know, it, it wasn't all about belting yourself against the brick wall. It was it was there's plenty of recovery time in there as well. So, yeah, look, certainly more so than now. I think um, you know you get in the local bunches now, and everybody just wants to go fast, 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 and mm. and. Um, you know, back uh, back in the day, I think there was certainly, although there was very, there was way fewer guys riding around. You know, there was certainly plenty of rides that were just a thirty kilometre an hour average, and you'd just go out for a tap for two or three hours, and and uh, and you'd yeah, you'd be coming home. You know, it was just that sort of recovery ride. Yeah, that that that's it, and I guess that's that's the time to. Uh come back through the gears and just uh, enjoy it and have the conversations and the competitive's one thing but also having the, the, the slowness is another thing to be able to tune back in again and um, yeah I, I guess it's, it's really funny for guys when we when we get so wound up we, we just get driven and uh, that can be in work or sport or, or whatever and um, our mind's always hot you know uh, we always sort of say we're in sixth gear but when we sort of come back we actually get to the stage where our breath sort of gets into a rhythm, our heart rate drops a bit and we can start to, you know, be at one with what's really going on around us because uh, when we're competing, a lot of us actually miss that. We're sort of so driven and we, we, could, we, could, we could ride past a couple of um, um, uh, lizards having sex on the side of the road and not even <laughs> see them, you know? <laughs> yeah, so. I certainly see the dead snakes around the Golden Valley. But, um, Absolutely. Yeah, look, I, so, so, yeah, I got, I got back on in... 2010, um, yeah, just uh, before I knew it, yeah, I was sort of poking away at that sort of local um, state level. Um, I had a couple of mates going back to Austria to ride some veterans races in Austria, so before I knew it, I was on me well, I was in the aeroplane with those guys and, and, you know, setting the sights a little bit higher um, by 2014. Uh, I was competing in the in the World Veterans Road Championships and and had run second in 2014 and then I thought well 
that was pretty close. So I went back in 2015 and won that uh, veterans, well, my age category. Yeah. Um, it was 50 to 55. So Unreal. Uh, 2015, you know, I was a Masters world champion, you know, in my age category. Um, so you say driven, yeah, look, you know, I, my, at that stage it was all about trying to, you know, that, that last two or three years of me being on at, at the competitive end was all about trying to win that world championship, yeah. yeah. yeah you had a, a really yeah. good goal, absolutely, mate. And, but what that is doing is not only just um, proving something to yourself, but it's also showing lots of guys that we can continue to do some amazing things as when we when we turn you know into our 50s and our 60s and beyond i reckon you've got lots of potential to be able to achieve some tremendous things uh you know 60 and beyond uh if you're if you're still keen to do that yeah i think i think up to well personally i thought up to about 53 i i sort of thought i was going i thought when i turned 54 i thought things Sort of, you know, my heart rate was had dropped a little bit. Um, I thought things were a little bit harder, but certainly from forty-seven to about fifty-two years of age, I, I thought, well, geez, I'm going. This is, I'm feeling like I felt when I was twenty-five years of age, you know. And <laughs> yeah. and some of the times and that that we're riding, although the equipment had got a lot better, um, yeah, I still felt strong. I still felt like, you know, I felt like an athlete of. of 25 years previous. Mm. Um, yeah, so I, I thought, I, I, you know, I, I felt in myself that, that I went downhill a little bit, you know, from maybe 54 years old on, um, that, that that sort of become noticeable that, that the heart rate was, you know, the heart rate was definitely dropping off a little bit more each year and, um, and the hills that used to be sort of relatively easy to sort of get over, become difficult and, and you know, think, think life changes sort of really happened about 54. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, and now, you know, I just go for a ride with the guys. I'm not competitive as such. I only go to one or two races that have just got a little bit of history for me. Yeah. Um, uh, I'm certainly not dedicating the time and, and the big long rides on the weekend or anything to the sport now I help a few kids around the cycling club um, uh, you know and, and I enjoy being out in the bunch and going for a ride with the guys and having a coffee and, and just staying in touch that way you know my social life is is basically around my, my sport and the, and the guys that are you know my mates are, are all ride bikes so you know that's about where it is at the moment yeah, it's 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 part of your life, mate. And I guess we, if you, if you if you wind it all up into a package here, you you've had uh, geez forty years or more of, of, of cycling, um, and that's that's something that um, you know you've got to be really grateful for your dad uh, uh, to your dad for uh, to be able to introduce you to that and what it's actually done for you when you sort of sit back and take the competitive aspect out of it. You know the ability to be able to go to all these places and meet these wonderful people, and um, you know go into environments which you would never have got into unless you'd, you know, put the put the work in. I guess at the end of the day, and 
you know, who knows, Steve? You, you, you could you could find yourself uh, with an itch again in the future, and there's nothing wrong with that, you know, to be able to have a goal to uh, to work towards. And and yeah, you know, I, I believe we we can. Geez, compared to our, our 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 parents and grandparents and so forth, we can still keep doing uh, wonderful things into our seventies and eighties if we keep ourselves physically and mentally well. Yeah, look, there's no doubt. There's no doubt. I think athletes in all sport. Are going getting going longer and further and, and deeper into into age, you know whether it be cricket or or football or or whatever. I think, you know if I think you you know it's, it's now becoming more general that you can stay in your sport for you know into your mid thirties or or deeper. Yeah. Um, so yeah, look, I. You know, and I've seen some. I've seen when I was back in Austria, racing. I saw some guys seventy-five years old setting, doing some amazing times on time trot in time trots. Mm. Um, so yeah, look, I don't know. I'm not. Um, I'm not discounting anything in the future. Uh, at the moment, uh, yeah, I'm just yeah doing um, doing what sort of is coming natural to me, and that's just staying in touch with the guys on the bike. They'll, the competitive drivers might come back, you know, at some stage. But at the moment, I'm sort of just happy, happy poking along, doing uh, doing my own thing. Yeah, enjoying life, mate. That that's it. Yeah, Steve. Um, yeah, yeah, Sorry, helping the helping the kids around the local cycling club, and and yeah, look, uh, no doubt, you know, when it comes to the influences of my father, you know, it's uh, I was lucky to be involved in a sport which which. You know, he drove he drove me and a lot of the local. You know, we had a really good Sheffield Cycling Club environment around when I was a kid, and and uh, and and there was a lot of successful guys come out of that. Yeah, mm. yeah. But my dad was a big influence in in across a, a lot of kids and a lot of families. Yeah, and you've got the opportunity yeah. to do that now, and I'm, I'm sure you have. I think with Brett Lancaster and a few others that have come through and. There's going to be more to come, you know, mate. So there's some, some great things ahead for you to be able to pass on your wisdom and knowledge to them as, as they uh, as they progress. And um, I'd imagine that would bring you a lot of satisfaction as well. Oh, yeah, look, no doubt when you see juniors develop at the, uh, at the local club level and, and we've got one, one young fellow in there now, 14 years old, behind the motorbike at the cycling track doing 65 kilometres an hour and... You know, he, he's, he's, he's got the potential to be a phenomenal athlete. And, and if you can say or, you know, and, and help in any one little way, uh, you know, it's, it's certainly a privilege to be able to do so. Yeah, absolutely. Everyone, everyone wouldn't say needs a mentor, but if there's someone around that's got the lived experience and the ability to be able to help their, their journey in some way, whether that be, you know, physically, mentally or whatever, I think it's such a, a gift to... To, to, for someone to come along in their life that can do that. And there's a lot of young boys out there that maybe may not have male mentors or fathers and that that are trying to find their way in a sport like this. And uh, to have someone like yourself come along and, uh, and help them out, I think, uh, you know, that, that just uh, is a service to yourself, that, that individual, but also to humanity to be able to pass on, you know, your, your wisdom and, and lived experience to others. I think it's, it's such a gift. No, and, and yeah, I, not... Well, I think it's just, yeah, it's, I think it's just natural that you should be, you know, if, if you've got 
some sort of advice or, you know, and I ride the motorbike in there at the cycling track and, <laughs> you know, it takes a couple of hours out of my week, but, uh, but geez, it certainly gives you joy when you, when you see kids in, kids improving week by week and, and, uh, yeah, it's, uh, it's a nice little environment to be around, um, yeah, and, and yeah, and, and not only is it a great joy to see kids improving, it gives you a little bit of self satisfaction that you've you've contributed in that to, to that in some way. Yeah, agree, mate. It's such a a great thing, country towns and communities, and the ability to be able to sort of network and get together, whether you're into cycling or cricket or footy or some sport in general, or whether that's just getting together to uh, to to catch up or. Having a hobby that sort of brings people together, mate, it's um, it's a great thing. And and you know, this podcast is about trying to get information to people in rural communities out there that uh, you know that, that may be able to uh, you know bring something out of these conversations into their own lives. So, uh, Steve, I, I'm really grateful for your your time and and, and sharing your, your your journey with us and uh, and ability to be able to sort of speak so vulnerably about uh, you know sort of what you went through. Uh, with regards to your cycling and all the stuff around it, and mate, uh, I really uh, I don't believe that you you finished anywhere near it. Yeah, you got lots more. I think that it's, it's going to pop up. I can see a cycle here of on again, off again, on again, off again. So the on might come back on pretty soon. Yeah, I look. Yeah, I don't know. Um, everything's getting. You know, there's a little bit of arthritis creeping in here and there, and and certainly everything's. Uh, getting a little bit harder um, and life's got to go on I've got to go to work and do what's got to be done so yeah. uh, look yeah we'll see we'll see it's, it's certainly a bit more difficult now to find the time and the, and the hours to dedicate to cycling you know like I said it doesn't really matter what age group you're in to be at the pointy end you've nearly got to be a full time athlete so yeah um, yeah, I'm I'm not quite in that position at the moment, so um, yeah, it is it'll be what it'll be. But oh, like I said, I'm involved in the cycling club. I get joy out of the kids, and and uh, and I still and yeah, certainly go for a ride every Saturday and Sunday with the guys, and we go and have a coffee, and uh, we've just got a little bunch, and and yeah, it's a good gig. Keeps you fit physically and mentally, so. Keep it up, mate. Uh, really grateful for your uh, for your time and uh, enjoy the rest of your day. Guys, thanks for joining in. Uh, Steve Fellis, uh, what an um, amazing man, but also an, an amazing journey. If you're into cycling, like check out, um, just Google Steve Fellis. Uh, there's a documentary on him that was done a few years back uh, about his life and comeback and so forth as well. Um, and yeah, plenty of... Uh, um, uh, information there about what he's been able to achieve as a cyclist but yeah the the key message in uh, in this is just the ups and downs of what uh what we go through in life and you know steve look look at what he was able to do like achieve good things and he had a break and he come back and he could achieve good things again and um it's, he's obviously you know naturally talented but also um he has the ability when he sets his mind something to uh to get uh the best out of himself and, and really work hard to, to uh, achieve the things that he sets out to achieve. So lots, uh, lots of messages and, and good information inside into that conversation. If you'd like to reach out to me, please uh, email me, uh, support at outbackmind.com.au. The website is outbackmind.com.au. And uh, lots of good podcasts coming your way over the next few days. Don't worry, we've got uh, some ripping uh, 
people coming on for a chat. So thanks for your support. Talk to you soon.